Hello and welcome to another episode of Bald Move Television, where the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. I'm Jim. And I'm Cecily. And today we got a corn ucopia of topics. We're going to be discussing HBO's new comedy series uh, headed by Danny McBride, The Righteous Gemstones. They're Created, be, written, all, all the directed, things. Directed, McBride, yeah. Wearing all the hats. He's actually wearing no hats. He's wearing some sick lamb chop sideburns. He sure is, yeah. Uh, we also have an interview with technology journalist Jared Newman, where we're going to keep the business talk uh, going, the industry talk going with a focus on cord cutting. Uh, then Jim and I and Cecily will be revisiting The Boys. We've seen the first four episodes of Amazon's new super anti-hero series. Uh, and uh, that will be it. I had another, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Stop. Stop. <laughs> that's all Stop you uh, let's talk your... about Rights of Gemstones up front. Okay. What did you guys think about this new comedy series? It's, uh, it's so if you don't know, this is, um, it's starring, uh, John Goodman as the patriarch of the Gemstone family, which is a, uh, what, what, what would you call them? A mega church or mm-hmm. a tele, televangelist? Yeah, televangelist. Uh, Danny McBride is his eldest son, Jesse. Um, Adam Devine of Workaholics fame is his youngest son, Kelvin Gemstone, and they live in this big, giant mansion on mansion on mansion compound. They all have private jets. It's all about excess in the name of the Lord. Well, that's where your tithing goes. Um, what what do you guys think of the series? I'm not a huge fan of Danny McBride, but I enjoyed it. I'm a medium sized fan of Danny McBride, and I enjoyed it. I, I'm a big fan of Danny McBride, and I didn't really like this show. You're the pop. What, Papa Bear? <laughs> really? Papa wow. Bear. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we do we start there? Or we start with the good stuff. I can. Let's mix match. Yeah. I'm super curious to know why you didn't like it if you're a big fan of Danny McBride, because it felt very Danny McBride to me. Irreligious it, it... upbringing, maybe? No, I just don't think that this show really knows what it's trying to say. And it wasn't even that funny until it got into hmm. like the dark humor. And I think that yeah. if they had embraced that a little bit more, uh, like the wave scene and the scene at the end, I thought were like made me laugh out loud. But everything in between, it felt like they forced so much happening into this episode. I'm not even sure who I'm rooting for, what the goal is. Uh, I, don't, I don't know like to, to say who the hell am I rooting for that's <laughs> none good... of these people are good yeah uh, with the exception of maybe this the small town uh, preachers the, yeah. the small town pastors they make an argument for it anyway yeah, yeah they try to uh, I have my personal views on those sorts of things but like it, it felt very sort of sort of big Lebowski to me and and that like once they got to the plot stuff and past like just the introductions of Hey, here's a big mega church family running this thing. Uh, I st- I started to pick up more of what it was putting down. Yeah, but it's like, uh, are we gonna talk spoilers about this show? Yeah, it's. I, I think so. I mean, it's not, the first maybe episode. not yet. Let's like get, continue like our general impressions, but then yeah, yeah. Once, once we say spoilers, because there's a couple things I definitely want to talk about. <laughs> okay, uh, I guess it's like there's there's a conflict for Jesse Danny McBride's character. And I don't want to see him win that. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Take them right. all down. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see those people get hurt. And I don't think that's exactly what they want to happen in Maybe. the show. Because like, I feel like some of these shows, it's kind of like, uh, this is just a televangelist version of Always Sunny, where you kind of like, mm-hmm. maybe you're not rooting for them to get hurt, but you'll certainly point and laugh when they do. 
I'm rooting for it. <laughs> yeah. I, because I, I, what I liked, what I thought was interesting is I thought that this was going to be just a family of shit bags, and they kind of are, but mm-hmm. like, it seems, and I, that this is for one episode, that like John Goodman's Eli, the patriarch, is kind of like, yeah, I wouldn't say he's a man of God, but I think he genuinely believes in the things that he's doing. Um, he, he's like, he lived the family values part of it. Like he loves, seemed like he loved his okay. wife. He loves his kids. Part of it, yeah. He wants oh. them to be good Christian boys, but he raised those two shits. So he was a bad father. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, but like, you know, fucking read the Bible. That's the, the, the whole history of, uh, the God's people is good fathers raising shit sons who gave birth to good fathers who raised shit like it's that's a that's that's life um well, I but don't it's, like that and, book either <laughs> and I, I also thought that like um adam divine who i hate adam divine he's my yeah, kryptonite yeah. but i thought he is born to play like this is a great outlet for his role mm. um that he's definitely dumb and doesn't know what the hell's going on and is like weirdly emotionally and developmentally stunted but mm-hmm. he seems like he's a in this weird world, an okay guy. Like, he doesn't seem like he's a massive hypocrite. And the way that Danny McBride's character, Jesse, who's doing cocaine off of stripper boobs with all the other deacons in this church, the weirdo deacons they got in this church, seems like he's just a a, a two-faced hypocrite. And I guess he's the protagonist villain of the series, it seems like, just based on, on one hour. By the way... The whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, this is the most jam-packed half hour of comedy I've ever seen. Half hour? It was a half hour? I no, realized no, no. then when I got to the end, it's like, it's an hour, I was like, oh my God, it's an hour long. No, right. Because I'm like, this just feels like it's so much plot. <laughs> Holy hell, so much yeah. plot. Uh, th- so one of the things that I really appreciated about this is there is clearly a lot of personal history in this. Yes. Um, I, I looked up Danny McBride because I saw one thing, and, and this is a spoiler, but i gotta make this point uh in in this episode this first episode it shows danny mcbride's son like falling asleep with the bible on his chest and danny mcbride is like oh look how sweet you know and he turns the bible over and he's highlighted all the bad words throughout the entire bible which made me think okay danny mcbride fucking knows something about religion like he has been around the block because that is exactly what i did as a kid and and to the point where you'd go into the glossary and you'd find all the P words uh-huh. where they abbreviate them and you'd be like, oh, ha, 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 the devil peed their eyes together. Like, <laughs> and you'd highlight those. Like, that's uh-huh. exactly what we did mm-hmm. as kids. So I, uh-huh. And I looked it up. Danny McBride raised a Baptist. His mother apparently did uh, perform church sermons using puppets. You can kind of see the influences there in the show. Mm-hmm. And like, it it's clearly seems like he has a personal history with this stuff. So... It probably makes it better for it. Yeah, like the, if he's the son of a preacher, uh, that makes... Uh, yeah, because I even think that Danny McBride plays Danny McBride in everything yes. I've ever seen him in. That's kind of why mm-hmm. I don't like him. And and there's a little bit of that with Will Ferrell, too, that like... Yep. They're very... Because di- Ricky Bobby is a very different character from uh, Ron Burgundy, but he's also not... Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like they've, they've taken different spec. Like Will Will Ferrell is this rainbow spectrum and like Ricky Bobby is the, you know, the indigo uh, spectrum. And then the uh, Ron Burgundy is more of the red orange. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Danny McBride, McBride is actually doing something specific. It's recognizably Danny McBride, but there's just a little bit. 
I don't know with the accent work, and I just love his power stance, like when he's flexing, <laughs> like he's holding this like hard flex when he's talking to his wife in front of all these women, and that's like only time he kind of does it, except for when he's like huh. dealing with like the people trying to. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to do. Or when he's like up on stage, you can see him doing it, just like purposely holding himself. But but it's the way he holds his like wrists and stuff. It's like there's doing there's things I haven't seen him do in some of the other series, and it's just slightly. I think, and and I think it's because it's specific. You know, like this is something that he kind of can probably slip into the mental space of. Oh, I'm sure he intuitively understands it. Right. The the other thing I really liked seeing in this was sort of the, um the switch that they flip when they're performing yeah. in their church and and when they're not uh-huh. and like that that just i don't know turning on not just the charm but the the sort of belief system the entire belief system gets switched on in that moment yeah. and like you can just see visibly the change the actors are so good yeah and i i like the physical comedy they're doing cuz there's this like uh scene uh where um John Goodman is is disciplining his son, slapping them, and yeah. the timing and the way <laughs> that he administers those slaps is just really fucking funny. Because mm-hmm. you think they're going to, for like they're they're I'll just fuck it. This is a minor spoiler. If I can if it can convince one person to watch it, it's worth it. Uh, he goes like he he slaps Danny McBride like just open hand hard slap and then he goes to the baby and um uh, who's played by Adam Devine and he kind of like cringes and mules and he raises it and you can kind of like he's like oh, I just can't slap my boy I can't slap my boy but then he just quickly slaps him with the other hand uh-huh. <laughs> and it's really really funny and I've I a lot of times I forget how really funny John Goodman just is oh yeah he's and, great and he kind of feels like the straight man of the series but when he's able to do stuff like that. Uh, it's it's really funny. I love the family dynamics, like how the poor sister is just like that same scene. She's like, "Slap me, daddy! I'm a gemstone!" Like she's just <laughs> right. like wanting any scrap of affection <laughs> from this patriarchal clan. Her mom's dead. She probably had a lot of relationship with her mom, and they mm-hmm. hinted that that she like her mom saw that she was like special and smart and. You know, uh, if they turned the gemstones into her hands, they'd probably be 10 times more successful. But they just she can't get nothing, nothing. And I just love that kind of like bickering how these people are adults. But like when they start fighting, you can just see them age regress to little kids. And that dynamic is is really funny. Mm -hmm. And the fact that some of this is happening in front of the larger church community. Mm -hmm. Uh, is just also um, adds a lot of um, tension to it just because like the social embarrassment uh it's it's pretty good it's pretty good i thought the music was really good uh, it's kind of got this modern but sort of semi-religious feel to it mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. especially in some of like the i don't know like dubstep drum stuff that they do like it somehow is tinted with a religious sound mm-hmm. maybe it's like a, a choral sound or maybe mm-hmm. it's like bells or something i don't know but i just very much got the vibe hey this is very modern but also yeah. religious right it definitely places you in that world yeah yeah and it looks like there's there's twin tensions here of like um there's a, a blackmailing plot involving one of the gemstones that's driving some of the action but the main plot is the gemstones effort to take over the flocks of these lay preachers that they're going into this uh you know um i can't i couldn't even tell you where this takes place someplace in the south yeah could be um, the midwest um i don't know but they they have uh, Dermot McRooney 
Der- Delbert Dermot Del- Mulroney. Del- yeah, that guy. He plays like the head of the delay preachers, and I thought he was really good because I thought the joke was going to be they're just small time versions of the shit bag that the shit bags the gemstones are. But when we see his home life, he does like he's a fucking carpenter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know he's got this like really he's living in this kind of fairly simple house, and he's and he's he's building like you can imagine him building rocking chairs for his elderly parishioners. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's it's interesting. I, I can't wait to see how they further develop uh in the scenes to come it looks like walt walton goggins oh shit is gonna yeah. did you see any of that that he's gonna be- no but i saw them in vice principles which yeah i thought was pretty good it looks yeah, like that he might be like the bad boy lay preacher that they bring in to okay. to, to 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 run the gemstones off or huh. uh yeah, it, it 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 looks pretty. It looks pretty funny, oh. and I thought the cast was all good. I thought they had really good chemistry. Of course, you know, Dan McBride and John Goodman have worked together before. Um, yeah, it's just a great fit of the theme and the characters they got playing. And it's funny you say you're not a fan of Danny McBride, but he did write and direct and star in this thing, and I thought it was mm-hmm. really really good. It also looked yeah, expensive sure. as fuck. Yeah, like yeah. just the mm-hmm. on location of like. You know, you got to sell that these guys are preachers. And, you know, growing up in the 80s, that was like kind of like I felt like the heyday. Like maybe they're going through another one with like this fucking Olstein prosperity. I I don't I don't Mm. troll uh, antenna channels that are all religious anymore. But, um, you know, you had these tales of like preachers that had the private jets and the fleet of Cadillacs and the air conditioned dog mansion like their Mm -hmm. dog houses Mm -hmm. are. And to sell that kind of just crazy in your face opulence, you got to spend some money. You got to pay. You got to rent. You got to pay a lot of money to rent that, those things. And just yeah, yeah the, I just love the father, son, the Holy Spirit jets. <laughs> I love the matching all white Land Rover kind of like motorcade. The you know the ex- extensive staff that Eli has, and they all line up like it's fucking Downton Abbey to greet him when he returns home. It's it's it. It, I, I found it very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk a little spoilers before we? Mm-hmm. This yeah, will probably only take absolutely. a minute, so if you if you don't want to just 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 bump forward, look at the show notes. Um, two big belly laughs for me. Okay, well, let's see. I, I think it's probably the same. I think you, you think actually alluded I got, to them. The the hardest I laughed was a pretty, just sort of one and done, like throwaway sort of joke. What but, was that? Uh, it's it's when. <laughs> They're they're going to recruit the sister, and she's got the guy that she's hiding in her her fiance or whatever that yeah, she's yeah. hiding, and she he she says he he's a sculpture. She says, "Yeah, I bought that sculpture, and I got a good price on it because it's a weird dick." <laughs> <laughs> and I just cracked uh, up. That's funny. I, that I love the slap. The slap was the really slap was funny. Great. Yeah. Um, Cecily, what was what was one of yours? Uh, the wave pool. The yeah, way, oh, yeah. oh god, <laughs> when they're yeah, when that thing starts off, and then <laughs> and the, the lights and the, the rave the drops, yeah, <laughs> it turns into a pool rave, yeah, it was so, awesome, so fucking funny. Um, and it's a 24 hour marathon, like just meta. I'm wondering, like, what did that look like? Uh, and then the one that I just laughed for like a good 30 seconds yeah. is Danny McBride backing over his blackmail, the blackmailing Satan. Uh huh. I actually really like the Satan character, like the mask uh-huh. work and flipping you off, giving you the tongue. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all good. And it's like, I will not be blackmailed. Well, that's what's happening. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's it's really funny. But then, yeah, I don't know what it was about. 
the, like the sister ran the one guy over as a panic and then he's like over under over under and he's like are you going to get medical or are you backing up to see if they're all right and he's like nope, nope. <laughs> and just this wide angle of him yeah. reversing through this mall parking lot and eventually running over this guy oh man it was so funny it's so funny uh, i think that was the, 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 the we covered all the big big belly laughs yeah it's that mm-hmm. it's that part of the dark comedy where i guess that's the thing is like if if i want to watch a show like it's always sunny in philadelphia just embrace that that kind oh, of darkness yeah. and i yeah. can laugh and not feel bad about it uh maybe they'll do that in the future episodes anybody have a guess as to who the blackmailer is so i had a guess but like now i'm i'm thinking of all these reasons why it probably couldn't be but they keep referring to danny mcbride's eldest son gideon Mm-hmm. And, you know, that he ran off and he's left a family. Uh, but, but like, the Satan guy looks too old, like, if I'm just judging by the eye holes and all that. Uh, but I guess he could be the man behind the man, mm-hmm. you know, like, the, like the, the devil and his crew is the F Society and Gideon mm-hmm. is uh, the Remy Malik character, yeah. the Mr. Robot. So I, that's the one, because, like, that's, everyone's talking about him. Uh, it's a sure way to get slapped in the gemstones house if you bring up his name, uh, and some some there's some bad blood there. So to me, but but as they mentioned, like there's so many people that would want to bring him up on this, right? Right. You got to ask yourself, like, who took the video? Were you in front of like a, a webcam or something, yeah. or was someone sitting in front of you? You got to wonder who that was. Mm-hmm. Ask it, it. Looks like a coffee table. Yeah. Uh, so implies a couch that someone's sitting on filming. Right. Exactly. Hmm. So yeah, be... figure out who all was at that party. Yeah. Yeah. Because it had to have been like all people you trust and knew already because there's so, such so <laughs> right. many high profile people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there. it was any of the gemstone personnel because they all looked like honestly gutted that that this might be happening. Oh my god! Oh. The physical, the comedy behind the projected penis in the wall oh, and all the interaction yes. Danny McBride, McBride head had with that penis. It was always on his face or he's opening his mouth talking towards or it. Or his bushy, like, white man afro <laughs> framing it as, like, this giant pubic bush. It's so fun. And they you never... Know, I, at the beginning of that scene, when he walks in front of it at the first time, I was like, I need to pay attention to this because I know what they're going to do here. And then I lost track of it through the rest oh, of the season. Oh, no. Yeah, good. they, were, they yeah. did some real good space work. And they don't draw... It's 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 not like the... It, it's essentially the Ace Ventura joke, but they play right. it so soft that you, if you you can lose track of that penis and where it's at. But yeah, <laughs> if you pay attention to it... As a it, rule, I never lose track of a penis. Yeah, but there's a penis on screen. This time... Can't, can't break contact with that one-eyed <laughs> monster. It's just... Uh yeah, I, it's I I can't I'm I'm really looking forward to the next episode this week. Yeah. Now we are going to have an interview, a little tech talk, a little uh, business talk, a little industry talk hmm. with Jared Newman. Joining us now in studio is Jared Newman. Jared is a technology journalist who's written about cord cutting for the past five years. He's written for such outlets such as Tech Hive, PC World, and Fast Company. Welcome to the studio, Jared. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I so we started talking um, a couple weeks ago because we've done a lot of kind of like um, I don't know insider TV streaming talk, and we'd 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 had a conversation, and you'd mentioned that you'd listened to some of our discussion. I think about uh, the HBO, uh, what Max, yeah, and Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and you'd mentioned that like uh, you you disagreed with some of our analysis because it kind of missed some of the. 
the, the nitty gritty kind of uh, concerns or um, thoughts that like a cord cutter would have. So I thought maybe we could, since you're uh, an expert and you, you've written about the subject <laughs> for five years, uh, maybe we could talk about that because I, I've realized that we're kind of like the opposite. Like since we do this television and movie coverage for Bald Move, we essentially are have a subscription to all the things, but that's not how like a cord cutter would look at the landscape. Could you kind of help us out here? Yeah, I guess I would say not necessarily. I mean, from my perspective, so I, I um, cut cable TV 10 years ago. Um, that was about when I started out as a freelance journalist and uh, just didn't really have a lot of money coming in. And it was sort of a, uh, you know, way, obvious way to cut costs. And I think at that time, uh, Netflix had just started streaming. So this was like 2008. Netflix had like just started doing streaming video. Hulu had just started doing streaming video. Um, and so it was sort of a cobbling together what you could kind of experience, um, you know, and it was at that time, like you couldn't watch, if you wanted to watch like HBO without cable, you just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. It exist. Um, so from my perspective, like it's been pretty great to see like a lot of new options to, you know, slice and dice the, uh, the cable TV package or get certain elements like HBO by itself. And, um, it's uh, at the same time, I guess, been kind of jarring to see uh, what I call like sort of the gee whiz, it all sort of adds up argument because mm. um, I, I, I get it, um, but you don't like have to. And f- like from my perspective, I haven't been doing like I haven't been subscribing to everything and I'm like kind of made peace with not watching everything. And so I think there's sort of this uh, um, disconnect between the attitude of maybe you guys are just like, I got to watch everything on TV and now it's getting really expensive versus like, I'm just going to, you know, watch whatever I'm getting with my subscriptions and it's probably going to be enough. So what would you, how do you see the G whiz it all adds up, uh, theory? What, what, how do you see that? Um, well, so a lot of times it's like kind of lazy in the sense that, and I'm not, I'm not calling you guys lazy by the way. <laughs> oh, we are, um, <laughs> we will copy that. You have no idea. All right. So fair enough. But, um, you know, a lot of times it's kind of like they do this rough math that isn't really based on anything. So it's, uh, and I've seen articles like this, they come out like every three, two to three months where it's like, oh, well, um, Netflix exists and there's Amazon Prime and you subscribe to Hulu and then Sling TV and um, HBO and you add all these things up. And now it's like, you know, almost as much as a a pay TV service or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But first of all, uh, we have to start with the fact that average cost of cable TV is a hundred dollars a month. And that's just for TV. It's not for internet. That's Mm -hmm. like the average of what people pay. There's a bunch of studies that have that average, um, FCC data kind of like backs up that. So, um, you're already like starting from this, if you're going to compare and you want to add up like Netflix, which is $13 a month and Hulu, which is $6 a month and HBO and Showtime, like you still have a lot of room to add up a lot of these different services and still be less than a hundred dollars a month. Um, the other thing is that, you know, a lot of people are already subscribing to Netflix or Hulu or maybe on top of uh, a cable TV service. Yeah. So, you know, some of these costs are already built in. Uh, you often see people say, like, well, you have to add the cost of Internet, but a lot of people are already subscribing to Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you see, like, oh, well, you know, I'm getting this great bundle deal for my cable TV provider. And um, first of all, like, if you are able to get a a great deal from Spectrum or Comcast or whoever, and you're only paying, you know, 20 or $30 a 
a month more for TV than you would for internet. Like that's great. I'm not going to like judge you and say like you need to cut cable as like a statement or like a stance or whatever. You should do whatever is best for you financially. But again, like that's not the reality. Like the average paid TV bill is $100 per month. So um, it actually turns out like when you're not on like some amazing promo deal, the, the discount of bundling TV and internet is like 10 to $20 a month. So it's not like a huge uh, uh, savings that you get from combining these things. It seems like they'll always try to take it away after a year. Like you'll have to go through the hassle of calling them and saying you're going to mm-hmm. switch comp and, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's that whole like other side of it, which is just like a peace of mind argument. Right. So, I mean, there's there are, you know, plenty of services now like YouTube TV and Hulu with live TV and PlayStation View that will effectively replace a cable bundle. And like they may not be that much. cheap. I mean, they tend to be around fifty dollars a month now. So that is still cheaper than the average cost of, of a pay TV package. Um, but also, like, you don't have to pay for, like, extra equipment mm-hmm. um, as a rental. Like, you just buy a Roku for $30 or $40. And, and bad equipment. Like, that's that's yeah. my number one complaint with, like, DVRs <laughs> is they just suck across the board. Uh, I, I would much rather have a Roku remote in my hand than deal with a DVR. I will say, like, people say nice things about the Xfinity X1. Haven't tried that uh, one. Like, I, so I'm trying to be fair here. Like, you know, people uh-huh. say the voice control is good. And that's that's fine. I mean, not everybody has Comcast, and it's not always that good. You still have to like pay for all those boxes, which which kind of stinks. Like, who yeah. wants to pay fifteen dollars a month for hardware for mm-hmm. every room you want to put yeah. it in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that's a lot of the extra cost. I mean, if you look at uh, YouTube TV being fifty dollars a month, like a lot of that extra cost is just the average that people pay is like renting extra boxes and paying all these weird fees and yeah, you know, the built-in costs of like yeah. You know, they have to account for like these customer service costs and like, you know, tech support coming out, those kind of things, which you don't have with live streaming. Can we like uh, maybe back up a little bit and define what cord cutting is? Because I know a lot of people who, you know, have Netflix and HBO don't either wouldn't consider themselves cord cutters really, or don't even know what the term means. And I have a weird relationship with it because back when I got rid of my cable package and went with Netflix, similar to what you did, I considered myself a cord cutter because I wasn't subscribing to a cable service anymore. I mean, I still had a cord, right? It's now just an internet cord mm-hmm. instead of a cable cord. I guess what what does in the modern context cord cutting mean? I guess my personal definition is like not subscribing to traditional cable or satellite TV service and hopefully saving money. And like I kind of okay. just leave it at that. Gotcha. Um so that would include a person with the internet and like PlayStation View. Yeah, that's a cord cutter. And and I know people disagree with that because there's I've, I've seen it for years. Like it's just the cable cord, but a different delivery mechanism. If you subscribe to one of these services, and like the the problem with that argument, like I'm, I get it, but um, okay, so PlayStation View is is fifty dollars a month or fifty five dollars a month if you want um, regional sports, and we already established that's cheaper than the average cost of cable. But people still say. You know, it's not really cord cutting. But what about something like Sling TV, which is $25 a month? It's still a bundle of TV channels. Um, it's mm-hmm. essentially like the same kind of service as PlayStation View, but it has fewer channels and it's cheaper. Or like what about something like Philo, which is $20 a month and is just like non-sports channels? Also still a bundle of TV <laughs> channels, but considerably cheaper than the $100 a month. Oh, or even... User. So like, is that cord cutting? Can you really say that's not cord cutting? It seems like you're really just arguing semantics and mm-hmm. I'm more concerned with like, are people getting what they want and saving money? Yeah. To me, it, it sort of had an element of choice. Like 
with with cable television, it was really the only game in town for TV for the longest time, and you either paid it or you didn't watch basically anything. Yeah. And then Netflix comes along and HBO starts doing their thing and Hulu, and now you have some choice, right? And now I, I'm sort of viewing cord cutting as like getting rid of the forced bundle and now picking and choosing a la carte what I want to subscribe to. Um, it, it's weird though because now we're we're sort of wrapping back around to where you know even you don't even have to have a service like PlayStation View or whatever. You could be subscribed to Netflix, HBO, uh, Hulu, uh, coming coming soon, Disney Plus and Apple TV. And if you watch them all on like a Roku or something, how is that fundamentally different than having it all come through a DVR as a big bundle? Well, I think it's good to going to what you were saying before, which is that like you have some measure of control. So like, right. if you decide, I mean, look, it's not like a perfect, everybody wants that like utopian a la carte scenario where like you can pick exactly what you want and it costs a fraction of of cable but like there's a lot of reasons it doesn't really work that way like all companies want to to some extent bundle things that they have together like a service like netflix is kind of bundling content uh, but like you can decide that you don't want netflix anymore and get hulu and you still get like a significant amount of things to watch mm-hmm. and you get to save money so it's um yeah, like you, you don't get to watch that one show on Netflix you wanted to watch, but you could pick up Netflix later and watch it for a month and then get rid of it. So I just think like it's ultimately good to have that level of control. Um, so it's like it's kind of frustrating to see the argument that like, oh, we're just back where we started because like <laughs> it really just I feel like people kind of forget like how much worse it was. Sure, sure. And it, so it seems like that's maybe one of the things we miss in our analysis, the idea that people wouldn't be loyal to a streaming service. It'd be like, I um, have been a Netflix member, and I've watched Stranger Things and all the cool... Net, and, and I haven't... I, I But I've heard a lot of good things about Handmaid's Tale. So it's not picking up Hulu in addition to Netflix. It's like, I'm going to cancel my Netflix subscription and then roll with Hulu for a couple months until I see Handmaids and Harlots and uh, Shrill. And then once I'm done with that, I might pick up HBO Max because I've been meaning to catch up on Game of Thrones or I want to see Watchmen. And they're just kind of like uh, digital nomads where they go to where the oasises are. Yeah, like I, and I think people are going to do it different ways. Like I think Netflix is probably going to have the easiest time just like keeping people year-round because mm-hmm. they have so much stuff. Um and if they don't, they don't. Like if if like that bundle of Disney and Hulu proves to be a better value for people, then like then they'll just stick with that service for for year round. And you may see like those other services may get more people churning in and out. Um, you know, especially if they're like not priced competitively. Like HBO Max is supposedly going to be like seventeen dollars a month. Like people are going to have a harder time justifying having that all year round if they just want to watch like Westworld when it comes back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, CBS All Access was that for me, Yeah, where I just wanted to see Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. And then after I watched it, I canceled. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, them buying, or, sorry, merging with Viacom is probably, like, their attempt to maybe build something that's a little more sustainable Mm -hmm. year-round, which, you know, I think think that's kind of good, ultimately, to have, like, more services that are, you know, a good value and have a lot of things to watch. Sure. So one of the things I, I feel like, um, you know, we talked about this last week, but Disney Plus talking about talking about this bundle with Hulu, where you get Disney and Hulu and and ESPN 
for the low, low price of essentially 13 bucks a month. And a lot of people were kind of oohing and on, but I looked at that and saw, okay, you've got Disney Plus, which is whatever. It's an unknown quantity, but it's going to have a lot of stuff because Disney owns a lot of stuff. You got Hulu, but supported with ads. And then you've got ESPN Plus, which is essentially a shell that has some soccer and MMA PP, pay-per-view. And that doesn't seem like but, – but the marketing's all about, oh, look what all you get. And I'm like, well, look at – you get you get one full-fledged feature. Uh, you get a service that's crippled with ads. And you get a service that's essentially a platform to spend 50 bucks a month to watch dudes fight. Uh, and, and to be fair, uh, uh, ladies fight as well. <laughs> what what is, is is that how kind of the cord cutters are, are they it seems like from talking to you that cord cutters tend to be um a very well educated uh choice conscious part of the market so did they, is that kind of the analysis they had of it or um well i i guess i would say that i wouldn't want to lump all cord cutters into like one mentality or approach or cuz i i talk to a lot of people and there's like a huge range of of people doing it in different ways um, there's definitely people that like have no idea what they're doing and accidentally subscribe to a whole bunch of services that they then forget about and end up mm. paying for. So like, there's definitely different sides to it. Um, but yeah, like hopefully people will make that the you know the calculations that they need. I mean, personally for me, um, like I'm not super interested in Disney Plus. Like I think it's a great value. I think a lot of people are going to like it. But like I'm not really a huge Mar- Marvel, Star Wars. Like, I like it, but probably not enough to, like, binge on it as opposed to watching some other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, it's kind of good that those that's, like, a separate service. Like, people are fretting about, like, Netflix losing all that content and going over to Disney. But to me, like, I would rather have Netflix take that money and invest in, like, other IP. Because um, I'm not really interested in the Disney stuff. I wasn't going to watch it anyway. So, mm-hmm. better for it to be in another service for somebody else to pay for. And I can put my money into Netflix where it might go to something I would actually watch. Yeah. And they can make seemingly more stuff, uh, from that same amount of money, right? Because they don't have to pay for the value of star Wars. They don't have to pay for the value of Marvel. Uh, they can develop new IP that will be cheaper, but maybe just as good. Yeah. And it was the same thing with like friends in the office. People like, Oh my God, like friends in the office are leaving Netflix. I never watch friends in the office. (laughs) Neither did I. Like I have no interest in watching those shows. So like, for Netflix to not spend a hundred million dollars a year on Friends anymore, like great, go make something else that I'll actually watch. Yeah, yeah. or ten other shows yeah. that I might watch, right? Yeah. So I, I guess the one, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, Jim and I always kind of fret about the nightmare scenario, which is, which I feel has been predicted for like the last ten or fifteen years that these companies. You, you talk about how you got the choice now, like you can you can you can carry Netflix for a couple months, and you can switch to Hulu, and you can switch to Disney Plus, you can you can kind of make these choices like what keeps these media companies for continu- uh, from continuing to conglomerate and then to make deals between them to where you can't make those choices anymore. Like you, you, if you, if you, you have to get the Disney plus bundle, that's going to be $30. It's going to include all of ESPN or, or they start like, you know, the other thing is like, what's to keep them from starting to do contracts. And at first it's not, it's going to be an option. It's going to be like, Hey, save 20% of your subscription by signing a 12 month, uh, a twelve month uh, contract with them. Like, are you optimistic in ten to, to, to in a ten year time frame from now? Like in twenty thirty, we're still going to have this much freedom and choice, or do you think that the companies will start to build fences and hedgerows and walls around that and and divide and conquer the 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 market that way? 
Um, well, I just first of all, generally, like I've been writing about this for a long time, and like people have been predicting that cord cutting will eventually eventually be futile for at least five years now. So mm-hmm. like it's just kind of this thing where like we're always expecting cord cutting to not be worth it. And when is it actually not going to be? When is that actually going to be the case? Um, so that's part of it. Um, I, I I do think like media consolidation is not so great and i think where it really hurts is um if you look at these live tv streaming services um this happened uh last year like when when discovery uh, acquired scripts networks and suddenly like discovery which had not been part of any of these services was being like bundled together with the scripts networks that people wanted to watch like hgtv and food network and so, like, you ended up getting these, like, mandatory larger bundles at higher prices. And I think we might see the same thing play out with, like, CBS and Viacom. So, like, Viacom channels like uh, Comedy Central and MTV had kind of been cast out of a lot of these live TV services. Um, but a lot of those services also have CBS. So there's sort of a risk that, like, these are going to get bundled back together um, and it's going to be, like, more homogenous bundles at higher prices. The flip side of that is like CBS and Viacom coming together are going to be able to create like more interesting um, standalone services like CBS. Like you said, like CBS All Access could get more interesting once it has um, the Viacom back catalog and like Pluto TV, which is a free service that Viacom acquired earlier this year. They've already said like they're going to start adding CBS content to that. So like on some level, like I do think it's good to have like these media companies like making themselves better able to compete with Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. Um, Cause I don't really want Netflix to have like a monopoly over like culture and like sure. TV no. creation. Like I think it's good to have like four or five, six like viable competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like, you know, I don't think, I don't know, like the, the whole contract thing, like, again, we haven't really seen that. Like when is it going to happen? Like people, aren't going to go for it if the value isn't there. So, well, I think know. before the companies always had like the infrastructure advantage. It's like, you know, cable was the only, or Comcast was the only game in town because they owned all the copper infrastructure. Like cell phone carriers dominated certain places because they owned the towers with the internet. I mean, I guess it's not impossible for like these large, you know, uh, AT&T, Time Warner to like start buying large set, but they'd have to, they would, it's like the the fact that no one kind of owns the infrastructure that cleanly. Is that one of the ways that it's, it's resisting that because people just do have a choice and you know, you can't really fundamentally take it away from them other than, I guess you can with geo tracking and then you get in the proxies and I don't know. I mean, you know, there's definitely, this is sort of a separate argument, but I know like the other like cord cutting doomsday scenario is here about is like, well, you still have to pay the cable company for internet. So they're just going to like jack up the price of internet um, to make up for not having selling TV service anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but that like, again, we, we've also been hearing that for five years and like, it's kind of overblown. Like there are definitely, it's bad not to have like good competition among internet providers um, but generally speaking, like TV service for them is not super profitable, especially like when they offer these like promo deals to new subscribers. And so you hear now, like they're letting people walk away and go to these live TV streaming services because, you know, they're happy to just kind of like turn the screws on people that have sort of apathy about it and are just going to 
keep cable TV, and they're making a, a much greater profit from internet service anyway. Like internet is just way more profitable for them. They don't have to like uh, do these drastic price hikes to compensate for the uh, low profit people that are cutting TV service. So mm-hmm. like really, it's a little overblown in terms of the idea that like the screws are just going to get turned on people by the internet providers. Well, all right. I, I thanks for stopping by. Uh, you write a newsletter uh, called Cord Cutter Weekly uh, that uh, helps a lot of people trying to navigate these waters. You want to talk about that for a bit? Yeah, sure. So I write a weekly uh, column for Tech Hive called Cord Cutter Confidential, and uh, I started doing a newsletter a few years ago that you know has a sort of a summary of that column and a bunch of other stuff like news and deals and sort of quick hits on what's happening. And so that's up to eighteen thousand subscribers now and um, comes out every Friday, so it's free to sign up. We'll have a link to where you can find Jared uh, in our show notes, as well as where to sign up for that newsletter, uh, Cord Cutter Weekly. Thanks for stopping by, Jared Newman. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Okay, before we wrap things up this week, uh, we have seen half of The Boys. We've seen the first four episodes out of its eight-episode run. Uh, we all really liked the first episode. We've seen three more. Where are we at with The Boys now? I'm still really liking it. As a matter of fact, I was watching three to catch up to you guys last night, uh, two nights ago, some, and I got to the end and I'm like, damn, I want to keep watching. Why the fuck is Carl Urban not a bigger star? Yes. Like every well, time I see him hmm. in like Judge Dredd or this or Lord of the star Rings, Trek. he's, yeah. I don't know how much range he's got, but there's no shortage of these kind of like angry, short fuse, tough talking dudes. And he's so good at it. You say that, but then you go back and look through his IMDb history and he's been around for a long time and he's done a ton of he stuff. He does a lot of direct hmm. video type stuff though. Like a lot of genre <laughs> But he's never work. really like the star star of anything. Yeah. So we I'm need saying. another Judge Dredd with him. We definitely need another Judge Dredd. He's probably yeah. got another five to that ten years awesome that he movie. can make one. Well, I don't know the helmet. Like he just as long as his uh, uh-huh. the nose from nose to chin, he looks relatively ass kicking. He can he can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I there's this show. This show is so great uh, because like at first I thought it was going to be essentially just an updated Watchmen, and I guess it is. But instead of like big geopolitical questions, it but even then I guess it does because like one of the big uh, cornerstone conflicts in the series is like what relationship should the superheroes have with like the the military and the foreign policy, and you know these these superheroes like it seems like what they're wanting to do is they've got a, they got some money with their movie deals and their comic books and their action figures, but you know where the real money is? Military industrial contract. Yeah. Complex. They want, they want some of that big, that, that head of state money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh And it looks like they're going to get it, but they also do some small stuff. Like, um, I thought, uh, a trains like, uh, you know, maybe he's, he's like an, an aging athlete. And he needs a little help, maybe being a fa- world's fastest man. So they're taking these performance enhancers, uh, and that that might have been the reason that he caused that horrific accident um, in, yeah. the, in the beginning of the series. That he's on the V. Yeah. That uh, what what they call the 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 everyman that's on the boy squad. You got Frenchie, you got Carl Urban, and then you got the kid. They call him Hur- Hur- Hurley Huey. Huey. Yeah. That's what it is. Little Hue- baby Huey. They call him baby Huey or little Huey. <laughs> It's because he pinches no, like no. I'm six foot tall at some point. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I I just think it's I, I think the show's great. And what really makes it what really makes it for me is the performance uh, of Homelander. 
Uh, who, what's that? Yeah, uh, he's great. Anthony Starr. Anthony Starr, Mr. Banshee. Yeah, he's so good. Deranged the way he's. I mean, I don't know how they found a way to effectively hide from him in a moment, but like, mm-hmm. there's no safe conversation you have inside of that building. His his strange mommy fetish. That's which yeah. is just like the way his eyes start to water and just gets that look. It's so good. That scene where he's staring at a portrait of himself, which is already creepy enough. But then they go to his point of view, and what he's really doing is staring at Elizabeth Shue nursing her child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? Because I thought it was a romantic fixation, but now it seems like... I think she's... I mean, I think it might be a little bit of both. His like, mom? if he had the chance yeah. to fuck her or, like, nurse from her himself, I think 100% he does it. And she's <laughs> playing it up, too, just to keep him It's a way to keep control. him... Because yeah. that's what control do you have over this individual? Right. Like, Queen Maeve, who seems like a Wonder Woman... I mean, seems like she is a, Wonder, a copyright safe Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, I don't know... Like, she seems like the only only one of the seven that could rival him in terms of power... But even then, did you get the he's, idea during when that plane was going down that if she didn't leave, that she was dying? She, yeah, yeah, she's not she invulnerable can. in the way that he is no. or that uh, Translucent was. He was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, I think she can't fly. No, she can't fly. I don't think uh, Wonder Woman can in most canon either. She can. Oh, can she? I thought she's just like an original Superman. She can jump so high, maybe it looks like she's flying. Oh, she has an invisible jet. She's got the invisible jet. Yeah, she can That's fly. True. Why she got the invisible jet? I don't know. Ask hmm. the people who made her. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched a lot of Wonder Woman. Okay. I have not, so I'll uh, take your word for it. But, I mean, you're right. The physics might be. But this isn't the Wonder Woman podcast. Let's move on. <laughs> How many compromises will Starlight make? to stay part of the seven that's my biggest question i think with huey grounding her i a lot less um i'm worried about the kind of sacrifices we're gonna see that queen Maeve made that they Mm, hinted towards yeah like maybe they were put in her and homelander were put into this relationship for the optics and it got uh it got abusive and it looks like he's gonna try to force her back into that kind of thing yeah that's by like trying to kiss her in front of people Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like I, I thought, well, I thought Brightburn. I haven't seen Brightburn yet. It's coming for the spectacular. Uh, but I, I thought that was such a great idea for a movie. And I don't think I've ever seen. I've seen like a, a red, red Krypton, which is like essentially what if uh, uh, Superman landed in the Soviet Union and was their hero. Hmm. But he wasn't really a villain. He wasn't. He certainly, I don't think was was psychotic. But, like, the idea of Brightburn, like, what if this alien child landed and instead of being, you know, Clark Kent, he was just, like, Jeffrey fucking Dahmer. And he's got all these powers you can't stop him. Like, I thought that was terrifying, but this is just a full-grown full full Brightburn situation. Do you think that Starlight uh, can make the changes that are necessary? No. they don't put Homelander against her. No, they don't. Specifically, yet... I do think that she might have, she might be very powerful, and we don't know it yet. Like, because she's young, she doesn't have like maybe she hasn't fully come under powers, and also just anytime she cuts loose with those, they make him seem just incredibly powerful. Yeah, like if she hit him with one of those things full blast, maybe it it would muss his hair a bit. I'm I'm expecting at some point that we will see uh, Homelander's eyes burned out by her. Mm -hmm. Because mm. because they keep they keep talking about that right like I'll burn your eyes out if you touch me again or, or talk to me yeah. or whatever I think yeah. that being one of his powers the laser vision mm-hmm. I think he'll have his eyes burned out yeah and he also it's like you like my first walking away from the first episode I'm thinking like uh, well Homelander's crazy and the deep is is uh oh, is a creep God. but like honestly 
Like I could believe the deep being kind of like a starlight coming in and just like you deal with Homelander and he's so mm. terrifying he and so like... amoral that like you kind of lose your perspective on what it's like to be a uh, a superhero he's just so obtuse and you think that he i mean he is kind of menacing to starlight when she first gets there but mm. then it's like he's just childlike like maybe he's just mimicking things he's seen homelander do yeah because he was completely unaware of any tension between them when they were doing the patrol right like that yeah. was like I-, I think they played this character wrong in this show interesting it's, it's a character that i actively don't like and it's not because you know he's an asshole and a creep um it's because now they're trying to play him for laughs, yeah. and they went so fucking hard in the beginning on him being an asshole. Yeah. I can't laugh at anything that happens. That dolphin scene should have been fucking hilarious. It it didn't get a single laugh from me because I'm just thinking, I'm not going to laugh at this guy. He's I'm not going to laugh at this guy's antics when he's a fucking monster. Yeah, you guy. might be right. I enjoyed this because I remember like that was uh, on the Old Man Murray website. They had uh, this guy called Sean Baby that did, among other things, deep dives into the old Super Friends cartoon and like, you know, went back and watched him and asked all the questions an adult would have of these cartoons. Right. And his articles on Aquaman and how, like, cause all of the Justice League is pathetic in light of Superman. Sure, but, like, sure. Aquaman especially. Because, like, you know, the, the Jason Momoa version of Aquaman's got a lot more going on than just being able to talk to fish. But that's literally the Super Friend version of Aquaman, all he had going on. And so I kind of like the constant digging of, like, what a joke he is and how pathetic he is. And, like, watching Homelander roll tough on him was... But you're right. They, because I feel like they want you. They're 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 trying to make him a joke, and they're also trying to make him a little bit sympathetic. Yeah, and it's, it's just not really working for me. Yeah, it's just really hard when he just like Starlight's such a good person and has such a good heart and has such a great way, like like all the be- right reasons to go and to see her, you know, fucking treated the way she was by him. It's it's uh it sets a tone for a character. Yeah. One that is not just going to be forgotten. I did laugh pretty hard at the dolphin rescue, though. <laughs> okay. When that dolphin comes flying out of the uh, hammock through the windshield. In slow tr- motion. In slow sort of motion. eyes with him, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Plus the, like, the implication that, that that's his lover. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, also, um, there's a couple. Um, the Death of Translucent. I had guessed what was going to happen about halfway through. Like, like yep. the, the obvious answer is like, well, if he's got impervious skin, get in. He get can't have an impervious skin. butthole because <laughs> otherwise he, he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> so yeah, that's one of them. Uh, uh, but the just like I thought the the, the translucent fight was really funny. Like mm-hmm. just seeing an invisible man explode. Uh, and just like the reaction that it had with Huey, uh, is is pretty funny. I. And 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 gross and kind of, I mean that's what the boys is. It's it's also it's funny, but it's also just f- so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones that was more fucked up than funny was like uh, the airliner rescue. Yeah, where like, and it's funny because I'm like, you expect like Homelander just because not because he gives a shit about any of these people, but like you've seen Superman do it so many times. Well, he'll just fly the airplane, and he points out it's like I can't do that. If I do that, it'll just crumple the airframe, and he'll do this and that, and he's like. The whole time he's just like, "Yep, everything's gonna be fine, everybody." And as to be on the plane that you got rescued by Superman, and then you slowly <laughs> come to the realization that Superman's gonna let you die. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, I, it was fucking dark, man. And Maeve's whole reaction, the like w- wanting to save at least when he's like, "Well, if we do that, then Can't there, there you. goes the seven. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I part of me also thinks that he did that on purpose. Like he didn't have to use the laser eyes through the entire cockpit panel. I think mm. he could have responded. Oh my god, you're right because then he, and he instantly spun it to like why we need homeland. Oh my god, yeah. I didn't yeah. make that connection. These, but these were his talking points, right? Right. Because because like, he's so he's kind of dumb. So I could kind of see him doing that just in like not knowing your own strength. Like oh this guy's in and then you've destroyed the plane's thing. Hmm. But yeah. Yeah, he wielded that with the with the kind of control that someone who just figured out they have laser vision did. Right. When he was able to pinpoint the gas the gas tank on that other the other plane that he took down. Oh, I thought he just he just blew up the engine and cut it in half. I didn't know I didn't take it that he was like precise about all that. No, when they found that when the deep found the plane mm-hmm. on the ocean floor, uh Elizabeth Shoe's character said that there were two like eye-width size holes in the gas tank, and that's what mm. made it explode. Hmm. So he's got precision. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't know where it's going. I know who I'm rooting for. Um, the, yeah, I... It, it The other really cool piece of uh, tension, dramatic tension they got going is the relationship between Huey and, and uh, uh, Starlight, because like he re- legitimately likes her, and she legitimately likes him. But he's being used as his double agent, which is obviously going to fuck things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's on a mission to kill the Seven. She's part of that now. Right. And that's the thing. Is like Carl Urban, I don't think, is going to be want, wanting to hear any anything out of Huey about him, her being the good one. Hmm. Because, I, you know, the other thing I think you're going to find out, just guessing, is that even Homelander probably started off being okay, but it's just like, you know, absolute yeah. power corrupting. And like, if you've got that kind of godlike power, it's got to you just, you eventually just see humans. Like, like when translucent says I've got diamond skin and I'm completely invulnerable and you're just a bag of flesh flavored water. You know, it's like you, they're just a higher form of life than us. And eventually they're going to start believing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do we do with the lower forms of life on this planet? Whatever the fuck we want. We eat them. Yeah. Among other things. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a great series. I can't wait to, can't wait to finish it. Um, Oh, one other thing before we left. Um, so I've been watching this on Amazon and I've read a lot of articles about how this is like the, the biggest series that Amazon's ever had. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching this stuff and they always show like, you know, some, some promo at the beginning. Mm. And I'm seeing promos for Hannah, which I think debuted like two months ago. And you know what I'm not seeing? Expanse? The Expanse. What the f- mm. Like Amazon. I is 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 Amazon I feel like Amazon's kind of fucking up their marketing here because why try to get me interested? I guess the the theory maybe is like uh get some someone something people excited for something they can binge right now. But doesn't isn't isn't the Expanse already available on on Amazon? Like the whole series uh, yeah, so far, yeah, Se- seasons one through three, definitely. So like, if you're going to advertise a season four of something, and you've got three whole seasons of an amazing television that's bingeable, why the Hannah? You got your biggest show, your biggest success ever. Chain that shit together, Bezos. Yeah, start do like a an official Amazon rewatch, like. Yeah. Get, get, oh, I don't know. Two, maybe two no-name podcasters from the Midwest to we, do a podcast about your show leading up to it and cover all of your back catalog. We are available for such work. <laughs> we Let are. Let me tell you. I would be happy to do an official Expanse podcast um, or just, yeah, rewatch, whatever. 
Uh, but yeah, I just break in my heart every time I watch one of these and it's not a commercial for the expanse. Like yeah. you guys did really like what, what came out of comic con was really cool. Really exciting. I love those trailers. Get that shit on your goddamn platform. Yeah. It sucks too. Cause expanse is such a serialized show that it's like, do you really want people going into season four fresh? No, you don't. You want them going in with that, that experience right yeah. so you got to get in early on the marketing here so people have time to catch up the thing is, is i've heard that they're also going to drop it all in one day yeah which is going to be lovely for us um and you know we talked about how like that's really great for bingeability but it it's going to ensure that the expanse is relevant for like one week then christmas will happen and you'll never hear about it until the next season right maybe their deal is like it's well it's all going to be a binge Anyway, so we start advertising it when season four comes out, and then people got four seasons, and they can just binge it over the long, dark Christmas break of our souls. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Try and get traffic for the entire catalog, not just yeah the latest season. Yeah. I'm just gripped up. I just want the expanse to succeed and succeed hard, and uh, I get I get panicky whenever I whenever <laughs> I, they're they're using any opportunity to promote it, and they're and they're and they're not. Okay, that's it for Bald Move TV this week. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so at TV at BaldMove.com. Uh, you can follow us on all the social medias at BaldMove. Um, everything goes down at BaldMove.com. We'll be back next week for another uh, episode of Bald Move TV. Also, uh, not for nothing, Cecily and I will be putting Harlots to bed, or at least uh, Season 3 to bed next week on Bald Move TV as well. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you later. <laughs>